This episode is brought to you by Bias Agency Australia. So I went to mum and said, I don't actually like construction. You know, what am I, what am I going to do? How do I tell dad? This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Ramon Fayad, co-founder of property development agency Ellison Property. Ramon was introduced to the industry at a young age and we learned how he went from a construction site to being a professional sports agent to now building large-scale developments from 4,000 to even 15,000 units. Ramon and his brother have grown up around construction and property development. With construction in their blood, it's now time for their generation to take the reins and lead the business in a new direction. My family uh, have been in property their whole lives uh, through construction. My grandfather, his grandfather going all the way back to our, uh, we're third generation now but even uh, his father and his grandfather, they were all builders back in our uh, homeland of Lebanon. So. In the 1800s, they were building schools and roads and all that. So it's been in our blood. It's been instilled in us. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it literally is in our blood, and we've just grown grown into it from a uh, very early age. Now today, yeah, we've uh, me and my brother have created another um, company, we've set up another arm, uh, just more of a development arm. Uh, yeah, and looking for new, new, fresher ways to do things differently. Um, we, I mean, we wouldn't be in this position without our family, without our history. But it's got to a stage where we. Uh, you know, just want to do things differently, new 21st century kind of thing, you know, um, young, new, fresher approach and yeah, using what we have learned in the past and through our family though. With the company on his shoulders, he keeps himself physically and mentally strong. So I'd be up at 5am, uh, go to the gym first thing in the morning. That just gives, sets you off on that right path where you're achieving something, you're doing something, keeps the mind fresh, body feeling good. Uh, so with the personal trainer every morning at 6, 6.30am. Um, straight after that, into the office at about 7.30, 8 o'clock, pick up the coffee, go through the news. So I always like to start the day reading what's going on in the world in the news, um, using all, um, yeah, whether it's property, sport, everything, like just the whole, whole um, everything, um, you know, uh, big on sport. So sport's my, uh, my break from, from work, you could say. Um, yeah, and then and then I get stuck into the day, which is meeting with the heads of each department, um, going over their reports, seeing where everything is. So it's not a physical. I get in and I check emails at a certain time. It's it's more we're creating a company here where everyone's free to talk to each other, walk around. It's not you do this, sit at your desk. It's get up, walk around, go for a coffee to have a meeting. You know, just pick up. Don't have to always pick up the phone or are you available? It's just walk into the office. So there's not a real set structure. Everyone's doing their work, but it's more about. Um, yeah, just um, getting everyone involved a bit more. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, my day is involving my stronger point, which I have learned in the past was it was in planning and acquisition. So I still do gravitate towards dealing a lot more with the real estate agents, dealing a lot with state government and local councils to get our approvals through. So that would take up most of my time still because it's just naturally the way it is. We've got the planning team, but at the end of the day, yeah, we need to um, – that's what I come back to. Um, and then, yeah, my brother, uh, Fayad, who's also the other co-founder, he grew up 
more in the construction side of it. So it was a good balance. So yeah, we've actually balanced that well, which is which has helped us yeah get to this um, and start this company. At what point did the brothers establish their positions? So I think our father at a young age saw our kind of strong points, and he he um, uh, kind of yeah, so straight from school, my brother went out on site. Um, I went out on site, didn't like it as much. So my dad saw that and kind of put me in the office business management side of it. So it was good, um, and yeah, it's it's worked out beautifully now. So we both have our strong points. We both still cross over, like I'll cross over in construction still, he'll cross over in acquisition, but you just have your strong points and we go to each other for advice and uh, updates on where everything's at. Ramon grew up and went to school in Constitution Hill, where he's still based now. I've literally, in the 32 years of my life, I've been in, not a bubble, but everything has been Western Sydney. Like I was born in Westmead Hospital. I grew up in Constitution Hill and I went to school in at Maris Brothers, Parramatta, which is across the road from Westmead Hospital. Um, yeah, and just, just knowing the area is what obviously kept us there, but investing, like in it, going back to my um, grandfather and uncles in the business, they were always Western Sydney. They believed in Western Sydney. They knew they knew the area. Uh, and yeah, again, growing up, it was, in, it was instilled in us. So we, yeah, I mean, they, they stick to what you know as well. So it's not that we don't go out to other areas, but we know what we can develop for. We know what we can build for. We know the sites. We know, so we just stuck to a stronger point was Western Sydney where, um, yeah, where we knew we knew what we were doing. So growing up in, in Western Sydney, you went to school there. Did you actually also finish high school around the area and then go on to further education? Yeah, so again, yeah, so Maris Brothers, Parramatta from year 7 all the way to year 12. Um, then after after school, it's interesting, I uh, to give you a bit more of a background, I went on site as soon as I, construction site, as soon as I finished school, expecting it just to go through the flow because that's what my brother did as well. So I was expecting, you know, I'll go on site, go through the go through the ranks, go through the steps. Um, but it was probably about a, six to eight weeks into construction. I didn't actually like the construction side of it. So I was always into sport when I was younger. That was, uh, was like from soccer, footy, tennis. I played everything. Um, so uh, eight weeks in, I went up to, went to my mum first, being a bit of a mummy's boy, to break the news to her. <laughs> you know, I was a bit scared to tell dad I didn't like construction. So I went to mom and said, I don't actually like construction. You know, what am I, what am I going to do? How do I tell dad? And she's like, no, just tell him, be open. He, we're not going to force you to do what you don't want to. We want you to be happy in life. We want you to be successful. But at the same time, you need to be happy, which is the, the most important thing. So I actually stepped away from construction and property and went on to do sports management, which is, yeah, which is a player agent. So I was like managing football players, soccer players, basketball players. I had my accreditation with the NRL. Um, so I did that for about a year, but I mean, stepping away from that then allowed me to realize what I did have in the, in the construction industry and in the property industry. So, I mean, I took some stuff away from it. It was good. It was a good learning experience, but again, without the support of my parents here, yeah, I wouldn't be in that position now where they let me step away and see what I had. What was it about the sports industry that led him back to construction? I thought it would be, um, all the glitz and glamour of sports and celebrities and getting involved in the team, but I just didn't have that didn't have the passion that I thought. Like I gave it time. I had a lot of like work experience with other agents and I just didn't have that. Like I was good at the start when you're learning something new, but then probably about six months in, I just thought, you know what, this is not, it's not what I thought it would be. Um, not because I wanted to get straight to the top and be the number one agent. It was just, I just saw the nitty gritty of it all, the behind the scenes. It just wasn't, it, it, was, it wasn't a passion. Like I didn't have the passion that I thought I would have had. So, and again, that then obviously allowed me to, 
take a step back and say, okay, I had it good. Like, you know, I've been blessed with what my family has uh, helped me set up and what they've set up for me. So it was, okay, look, let me just have another shot at it. And that's when my dad pulled me in and said, okay, you don't like construction. It's fine. Let's look at the business side of it. And that's when he started getting me involved with um, dealing with real estate agents and dealing with planning. And, and then I re- that, that's when I really loved that. I saw that I saw, yeah, the, um, I saw the potential there and yeah, just went from there. So, but I mean, it's good. I mean, what I learned in sport management allowed me to bring some, um, some of the, those key attributes to the property industry, which is all the teamwork and working together. Uh, so it, it was good. I mean, it's, it, I didn't like it. It wasn't a future, but to say I didn't learn anything from it would, wouldn't be right. I did learn a lot from there and um, yeah, allow me to appreciate uh, what I do have. Growing up in high school, would you spend time learning the ropes from your parents? Yeah, yeah, on holidays. Uh, so when I like term holidays, the two-week holiday breaks, um, dad would wake me up at 6 a.m. or wake up with my brother at 6 a.m. Yeah, there's no holidays. Uh, uh, but I wanted to do it. Yeah, I wanted to do it. It wasn't about they wake me up and drag me out of bed. Like I say, it wasn't forced. It was I wanted to do it. I wanted to learn. I mean, yeah, growing up early on, I mean, from when I was six or seven or eight, when I could start understanding things a bit better, like we'd have a family barbecue with all our cousins and relatives and the talk was construction, the talk was property. So without realizing it, you were learning, you were picking up on things as well. So yeah, and it just gradually built. And a lot of people in my uh, in my year at school, a lot of their families were involved in property. So without, yeah, so it's all, it's all um, it was there without physically really focusing on it. Like you just heard it in the background. So you learned and learned. Um, but yeah, no, it, from a young age, I, I've been involved in it and, yeah, I knew there was always going to be some kind of um, future there for me. Ramon shares his parents' career and business story. A property has been their number one um, investment uh, vehicle, you could say. Um, but over the years, we've my father's kind of gradually started getting into different kind of businesses too. Um, he realized that property um, is now for me and my brother. So he's kind of now started to a bit more through medical, through finance. He's getting it into a bit more businesses. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, like you said, they've been nurturing. They've been great. They've um, allowed us to do what we want to do. It's always, it's not a yes or no. It's come to me. Let's talk, you know, let's let's work out a way. So they've been great. Um, they'll always be in property. I mean, they've got, yeah, got a lot of properties. So Mum's always been. Mum's involved in the business, but obviously not as much as as Dad. Um, but she's part of it. She's in the office daily. Um, but yeah, she's more the the mother, the go-to when you you need an issue and there's a problem. So she's like the, she's the office mum. We call her here. So she looks after everyone's. With there being so many pathways in property development, the Fayard family settled on mainly apartment developments. But now the brothers want to shake things up a little. The apartment development was a strong point at the start. Um, and that what that's what got me into it. Seeing the developments that were doing, just seeing it come alive. From you'd be you'd go to, uh, on the way to school, I'd be driving past our development sites, and I'd see the apartments going up. And from our school, we were building one behind us. So when I was in class, people were saying, "Oh, that's your development." That it gave you like proud. You were proud. You know what I mean? So seeing stuff go like that, people saying, "Oh, your family's doing well. Your company's doing well." It it inspired me to want to keep doing it and keep that tradition going. So apartment development is always the best. But now. With the new group, my brother and I, we want to create more communities. You know, we want to give that retail mix. We want to give that vibe to each development. When you walk into an Ellison development, you want to know, you'll know it's an Ellison development. Good retail mix, good like good living. Um, yeah, so that's why. So we still will always be apartments. It's what we know. It's what we've been doing for 
over 50 years or the family has been doing. So I think that is our strong point and we'll keep doing that. But yeah, it, it was always apartments. Um, not to say we won't do anything else, but apartments will be our strong points. We've developed commercial buildings in the past. We've done our townhouses, we've done retail shops, we've done shopping centers, but we just always, um, 90% will always be apartments. And on the scale of the apartments, like how many apartments do you usually look at doing on average? There's always about 2000 apartments on the construction at any given one time. In the planning, there could be up to, I mean, there's some of the big developments, like we've got one up at, in Leppington, which is uh, earmarked for about 15,000 apartments in a 80,000 square meter shopping center. So obviously that's not being built overnight. That's a 10 to 15 year project, which will be built over time. Um, then there's bigger ones in, Sco- no, sorry, not bigger. There's one in Schofield, which is 4,000 apartments, one in Parkley, 5,000. So we're really, we're long-term. Where you know where we're here to stay, we're developing, we're working with local communities, working with local councils to get the best development. So, we're, like I said, we're proud of what we develop. We're not yeah here today, gone tomorrow. We stand behind our products and uh, yeah. So they're the kind of developments that we're doing. We're creating communities, creating um, um, yeah, creating mini suburbs, you could say. So yeah, and we really um, really enjoy doing that. It's not just putting up apartments and hopefully leasing the shops later. We're getting that retail mix right from the start. We're engaging retail architects, retail agents to get that input to make it sure it's a viable, viable development. So. Ellison Property are dealing with large-scale developments, constructing massive apartment complexes, building communities and even creating suburbs. How are they finding the demand for these kinds of works? Obviously, COVID has put a pause on immigration, but before that, there was a huge drive. We saw, I mean, everyone could see that Australia was, Australia's the safe haven. Everyone's coming to Australia, whether it's investing or wanting to move. So I think the demand is there from overseas and um, once the tourism picks up again. But I think, like I said, our developments are not two-year projects. They're 15-year projects. They're 10-year projects. So. We do know that uh, the immigration is going to pick up again. The borders are going to eventually open. It's not going to be closed for a while. Um, and yeah, I think so. That that is where it's immigration, um, and we're still seeing a large number of um, locals here who are still buying for family members overseas. So mums and dads are buying property here for their future for their kids to come out in the future and still study so study and education is a big part i mean australia's got the best education in the world so you've got your background like your chinese your indian they're all buying here to for their yeah for their for their kids futures so between immigration education and growth i think those three cover us over the next uh, 10 to 15 years, I would say. And that's really interesting because we're looking at long term, like, you know, usually smaller developments take anywhere between, say, oh, 12 to 24 months. And basically, you're in and out and you got your cash and so forth. But you're looking at like five, 10 years. How do you actually sustain a business for that period of time? Uh, so when I say a 15,000 or a 4,000 unit development, it's not getting the money for the 15,000 units up front. You stage it with the funder, you stage it with the um, whoever your financier is at the time. So, Yes, it's a 15,000 unit development, but they'll look at it 500 units at a time and you'll deliver it in stages. So they're going to fund you for the first 500. They roll that money into the next stage and the next stage and the next stage. But at the same time, we've got a pool of assets. We've got commercial buildings. We've got retail assets. We've got um, hotels, a hospitality business where we keep we keep funding through that as well. So there's, there is a lot of cash flow, but cash flow is big king. You need a lot of, you obviously need your cash flow to keep businesses going. But at the same time, yeah, the construction arm is run through, the construction development arm of a development is run through our 
financier team, but they look, they, they forecast. So they look at it in stages and we've got heads of finance. We've got a finance director who's X, A, and Z. So he understands the whole process and he's got the contacts in the industry. So they will continue to, um, they continue to work with the funders and we like to only work with a minimal amount of financiers. So once you've delivered one job or two or three jobs, they trust you, the trust is there and you just keep repeat business. You know, they know you're going to deliver. So there's no, the risk is a lot more minimal. So a key to that would be proving yourself in the first couple. And then yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll naturally just come back to you and want to do more and more. Fantastic. Yeah, that's always been the challenge, I guess, with any development because I think at the end of the day, when people are actually buying property just to invest, they hold on to it and you've got your stable cash flow from rentals. But with these ones, as you said, until you actually deliver on it and obviously with pre-sales and so forth, that's when you keep rolling the funds through. But I mean, even the pre-sales now, there's a lot of build to rent that's happening now. So, financiers, uh, financiers are good. They're, they're they're more they're business minded like your traditional banks when you used to do with the Westpacs ANZ it was it had to be 110 percent debt coverage which in this market it just never get off the ground so financiers now have understood the market's changing and they're doing a lot more build to rent um, developments which we're also uh, doing a few of them too so it's educating them as much as it is just asking for money you got to take them through it uh, yeah so it's good it's it's good I now have I mean the last maybe four or five years got more involved in the finance side allowed me to travel a lot more to Hong Kong, to India, to Dubai, to look at all these funds and see what people are looking for. Uh, so it's been good. It's been good. And I think it's there. They're willing to change. They're willing to adapt. So whatever the market is, this financier will change or you'd use a different financier for a different project just to keep it, uh, keep it flowing. Ramon explains the concept of build to rent, outlining its key benefits. I mean, it's been the talk of the town for the last year or two, but there was no incentives. <clears throat> there was no real incentives for developers to do it. So, but now recently the government has come in with a 50% land tax reduction if you do build to rent. Um, so they're starting to realize it's more and more. But in short, build to rent is like you build, obviously build it and you can only rent it. And you've got to rent it for a certain amount of period. There's got to be an on-site manager. There's got to be amenities for the community. So like a community center or a, um, somewhere to somewhere for the residents to meet. Uh, it's good. It's again, it's another development. It's another part of the business where it can assist you with cash flow. Uh, financiers like it once there's so basically you'd you do a development site, you'd be you'd rent it out, and then you'd refinance it, and that's how financier um, moves out. Or a financier has two different arms where they have a construction loan and they have a um, long-term hold asset loan. So they'll do the both. So they'll another pool will refinance it and just keep the um, money turning there. So you pay them interest or whatnot. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of people doing it now. Um, and it's another, it's another good thing for people who obviously affordability is an issue in Sydney for a lot of people. So rental is their only, is their only option. Uh, and yeah, you'll, you'll see a lot more coming, coming up and we'll, yeah, we'll continue to, to do some, but it's good. I mean, you can still own an asset and you can rent at the same time. So I think a lot of people are doing that now. That's great. So just to clarify and understand, you would be building the, as a developer, building the apartments and then also too, you'd be properly managing them as well too because you're renting out to tenants as well. So therefore, you'd literally have to set up an arm to, to run that. The property management, yeah. So we've got a property manager in here as well who will be doing that. But again, it allows us to then either go to the local real estate agent or run it with us depending on how big it is or 
or whatnot. But yeah, we've got a property manager in house who, who runs that whole thing. But yeah, you're right. It's another arm. You're basically setting up the business to purely look after that. So it's a mini hotel service department kind of development. It's very smart. It's like you're almost like you got your big chunks of cash coming in from the sales of the properties and then you also got your rental arm, which is your long-term strategy. Exactly. Yeah. And that's going back to what I said, cash flow is, and that'll be the cash flow that can help the business running, which every business needs. I mean, I've heard a few developers, they say, you know, build build some, keep some, sell some, you know. <laughs> yeah, we used to do like, so we'd sell some in the development and then we'd like keep some, like 10 or 20 in the development. But now we've actually said, no, let's do a proper build to rent developments where it's pure rent. Um, yeah, so I think in the next three years, we've, we've earmarked about 2,000 apartments to do as built to rent. So it's good, yeah. And it allows, yeah, and it allows it allows the buyer, it allows uh, options as well. You're not just the developer who sells. You know, people are there's a lot lot more people who want to rent, so there is the market for it, and it, yeah, it gives us the allows us to give um, op- uh, options for both for both people, all people. And then talking about fun- financiers, you're talking about going overseas to get uh, funding and so forth. Are we talking about like private funding here? We're not talking about going to a bank institution overseas, are we? Uh, no, private funds, yeah. So private funds overseas yeah, manage uh, whether it's a super fund or private fund, yeah. But it's it's funds over from overseas, whether it's um, yeah, it could be anywhere. Like we're dealing with the head of the H H fund, um, where they get that they say it's a uh, private money as well. So the 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 fund manages it for these private um, high net worth individuals, and they, yeah, they and they. Um, yeah, comes through us. And what is it about Australia that these private investors are attracted to compared to other countries? Government stability is a big one. We're very like touch wood. Never war. There's never I mean, there's contra- never controversy or major things that shake up the government. And Australia's still young. They can see the growth and the potential. Uh, it's 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 distant from everyone, so it never gets caught up in all the European issues or the American issues. We're far away. We're safe. We're young. And you can, the way we, not the way we sell it, but we know it. And obviously having the experience in it, if you guys have been there for 50 years with all your experience, we know what you're doing. We know something's working, something's going right. So we know Western Sydney is our strong point. So we we can sell that well. We can tell them we're deli- what we're delivering, how we're delivering it, their return. And again, it's, you can, you can say it as much, but you need to show it as well. So we've obviously, um, We've developed, we've delivered in the past and with these funders. But I think going back to your question is it's it's the, it's the safety of the country and the potential growth. We're such a big country with a small population of 25 million, but that will continue to grow. People are continuing to come over and they know that there is, there is um, money to be made for their businesses, but the growth, potential growth is what is what the key is, I think. Moving on, I asked him about his company name and where it originated from. So Ellison comes from, it's a combination of two words. Uh, the E-double-L is from a street we were, grew up in, well, my first house in Marylands in Western Sydney. So it was Ellis Street, Marylands. So I was there for the first five or six years of my life. My brother was there probably for the first 10 years of his life before we moved to Constitution Hill. But that E-double-L comes from Ellis. And the second part of Ellison, which is the E-R-S-O-N, is from Anderson Street in Parramatta, which was my brother and I's first project together. So we combined the two where we first grew up in our first project and became Ellison. Ramon describes that first development project they did as brothers. 
It's a 23-storey, 173-apartment development, which is a build-to-rent. So we're looking at, which oh, that's why it also holds a lot of um, uh, sentimental value to us because we're going to hold it, we're going to build it, we're going to rent it, and it's going to be our first, it'll always be come back to being our first development together. Uh, so that's the one, yeah, it's always going to have that bit of a special feeling. Uh, ground floor retail, on the park, in the Parramatta CBD, and something will always, will always, yeah, um, always, uh, cherish i guess and have that special feeling yep how did you and your brother find that first development site again luckily through uh local knowing local agents we've had that site for a while so we bought it probably over 10 years ago i'd say um but this was before Parramatta boomed uh so we actually had a da approval on it for a six-story 50-unit development uh, but when Parramatta was changing there was a growth we took the opportunity and we decided to rezone the site, which is obviously uplifting and changing LEPs. Uh, got it to a 23-storey tower, um, increased the unit number, and yeah, just through through local, through local, through local agent. And building that reputation in the industry, knowing all the agents, you know, they come to us, they know what we're gonna, if that we are capable of settling and delivering. So yeah, it was just a simple. It wasn't yeah, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary acquisition. It was just a normal, clean acquisition, and yeah, ended up being one that we. One that we kept and one that we're going to, yeah, always have a special special place for us. Absolutely. So, 10 years ago, you purchased it, had a DA approve on it for 50 units and then with the change in that, how did you go through that process? So, it was actually our, our town planner who was our consultant on the job. He said, it was DA approval about to start construction and he said, guys, there's a lot happening in Parramatta. Um, as you know, I think this key, I think this site has the ability to have more uplift. It was on the park, so the design had to be specially designed. So it's actually like a step building, a step down. Uh, so there's no overshadowing on the park. So our planner told us, we went to council, we said, would this be something that you would support a rezoning through? They said, yes, definitely. We're all for it. Um, give it, yeah, taking into account overshadowing of the park and surrounding uh, properties. But from there, uh, it started. We went through a design competition. We got the rezoning done first. So we rezoned that to 23 stories, six to one FSR. Um, and then went into a design competition. So three local architects um, all put their submissions in and went th- went through that. And the winning architect was a group out in the eastern suburbs, Alexander Design Group. Um, yeah, and now the building's under construction. It's up to about level nine, I think, today from level 23. And yeah, moving forward. So yeah, like you can see that if you buy a site today, it doesn't mean you're going to build it tomorrow. So we bought it 10 years ago and we're now it's under construction. So people would say, well, what's taking so long? Why is this, move, this site not moving? But in the background, you see how much work goes into it. It's not about, like you said earlier, there's so many aspects of the property the property life. It's it's not just buy the site, build tomorrow. There's planning, dealing with council, dealing with local government, design competitions. A rezoning process takes two years. So then a DA takes another year, then a design competition, then there's pre-sales. Obviously not for this one because it's the build to rent, but a lot goes into that, that um, early stages of the development. Do you find yourself stressed out not knowing how or where to find the best property deals or what the best strategy is to build a wealth generating portfolio? Well, Dragon Dominski can help you while you save time and money. With about two decades of experience as an investor and expert buyer's agent, he finds positively geared properties with development potentials and secures and negotiates off-market deals for his clients. Now, he's offering you a no-obligation 45-minute strategy call to get you started. 
Just simply text the code BAA with your name and email address to 0405-105-074 to get your no obligation free 45-minute strategy call. Ramon and his brother have already implemented one large-scale development successfully and they won't stop there. He outlines the scale of works that are in motion for them at any given time. Planning we'd have in terms of sites probably 25, rough part 25 in planning. Um, there's some that are DA approved, some in the rezoning uh, and then in construction there's 2,000 probably under construction with about probably another yeah, 2,000 every year so it's always turning, it's turning, turning through them. Um, and then we're always constantly looking for new new sites. Um, but the whole that we always we now what we try to do is always have five or six big sites under construction um, to the 400, the 500 units. Rather than we found that in the past, you use the same amount of resources on a 500 block of units than you would on than you do on a 20 block of units. So it just wasn't making sense continuing doing these 20 block of units. So we said let's let's cut it back instead of doing 50, 20 units. Let's do four or five 500 unit developments and um yeah so we're just cleaning up all that but to take you through it there's a planning stage there's a cc stage and there's a construction stage so 25 projects probably in planning there'd be always about seven or eight in cc and about five under construction and it's just the machine it just keeps when one finishes another starts another gets acquired another gets approved so the machine just keeps keeps churning them out and we've got the right team yeah and you mentioned CC. What does that mean for listeners out there? Uh, CC is the construction certificate. So once you get a DA approval, it's not DA approved, start tomorrow. you got to go through your CC, get your construction drawings ready for the boys on site. Uh, yeah. And then so that, that's that's DA, CC, then construction. And usually how long does the CC period take for, for projects like yours? Uh, it could, again, depending on, yeah, depending on the size, it could take anywhere up to probably two to three months to get a CC, proper done, ready to go for construction purposes. So that's your civil drawings, that's your structural drawings, where your DA is more just your layout and your your building design. But once you get your DA approval, then the, the nitty-gritty design of your steel beams, uh, Rio, all this kind of stuff needs to get in, get involved. And that's that's the CC stage, which, which is what the builders build off, the CC plans, not the DA plans. Having achieved a phenomenal amount in a short time, Ramon praises his team for helping to propel the company forward. To support of the team, without you know, without having like me and my brother, yes, we're owners and co-founders, but without the team, without the heads of each department, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, wouldn't be where we are. I always like to refer to the reference of again going back to sport. LeBron James is a big idol of mine, and he's the greatest of all time in my eyes. And some people say Jordan, some people say LeBron. I'm a LeBron man, so but he's the best today but he still needs help you know what i mean like he can't do everything on his own he went out and got anthony davis from it and they came together and they won a championship so i use that a lot in in the business world i mean you can be the best but if you don't have the right teammates around you it's you're not going to win anything so i like to always refer back to that to the staff as well he admits that no matter how brilliant your teammates are or how much you plan and prepare there are always setbacks. Getting a refusal, a DA refusal, sometimes a setback is like, what did I do wrong? How could I have done better? Um, so it always allows you to just continue. There's nothing wrong with, I want to say failing, but not getting your where you were. We learn from it. Without without getting a DA refused or without getting a planning proposal refused, you're not going to know how to become better the next time. Um, in terms of development, there's maybe 
jumping the gun or timing has has sometimes not been the best the best uh, reason. Like I mean, we one that we did sell was. I'll give you an example, actually. Yeah, I got a good one. Uh, There's a block of apartments that we did, about 300, block, 300 units. Um, we agreed on a price for every unit with the real estate agent. So it was a minimum price that he could sell for. Um, that was just us saying, yes, we just, let's just sell these things. We agreed on a price, say it was 500,000 a unit is what we want. Whatever you get above that, you, good, good luck Good luck to you. This We're going 15 years ago before everything goes as it is today. Um, he's come around and he's the market boomed and the product started selling for 700, 800,000. Yeah. So he ended up making more money than us on the site. So I wouldn't say we still made money. So it wasn't like it was a fail, but it was more about controlling every aspect of each business. So from, from planning all the way up to sales, it was just having that opportunity to, um, to learn, to control, not to just sign, yes, go. And it's it's being involved in every little uh, single detail. So that would be a learning lesson where now when it comes to real estate uh, and sales, we're really controlling it. We've got, a, we've got a sales manager here who will manage that. Never lock in prices. It's always able to move subject to the market. So that was one lesson where I learned that, okay, we need to control our own sales, our own sales department. Um, yeah, that, that would be a... That's a big. That's a big moment. That every time I drive past that development now, I'm like, "Damn, it looks good." It's a great, great development. But yeah, so something like that is, and that comes back to yeah, being involved now in every aspect of the business, not running it so much and telling them what to do, but just making sure you're across everything to make sure each department, the engine, is running smoothly and well oiled. Talking about actually understanding and running, you know, like how many departments would you say you've currently got in your business at the moment? Uh, so we've got acquisition and planning, uh, sales, marketing, uh, development management, property management, accounts. So probably six or seven, and then they all. And then there's obviously the construction arm, which runs itself. But in the development arm under Ellison Property, um, I'd say seven, seven, eight, eight with the finance as well too. So eight departments. So that, that's quite a lot of departments. I mean, it's no small feat. How do you actually help manage the team without, as you said, being in control? Like- Again, open office here. So everyone walks around, they're talking to each other. It's not, oh, you can't come into my office. But fortnightly meetings, we've got WhatsApp groups with each team. We're throwing ideas around each other. So we have fortnightly meetings. But within that fortnight, you can't wait two weeks to make a decision in this industry. So we're in a WhatsApp group. Everyone will text, "What can I do this? Can I do that? My sales manager will say, I've got an offer of this, but they can only pay this. Yes. So rather than wait two weeks, you're going to lose a sale. So it's just allowing people to have that freedom, but um, communication is key. And that's how we get, stay on top of it. Just, um, yeah, meeting, meeting regularly, but talking regularly as well they kind of know what our answer is going to be just by speaking to us a lot more. Like they know where we're thinking and yeah, just catching up regularly allows them to understand us more and yeah, give them that freedom to, I actually say sometimes um, they come to me and they'll say, oh, this unit's 800,000. The guy can only offer 750. I'll say go away in a good way and say, you, you sort of like knowing like giving them the opportunity to no, show me what you are uh, giving them their responsibility. So to say, I'd say, you go do it. Um, what do you think? You know what I mean? So what do you think? What do you think we should do rather than them just coming to me, asking questions and me giving answers. I want to, we try to encourage them to be you know, stronger, make their own decisions. So yeah, 
that's 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 a way to control it, but at the same time give them a bit of freedom. And again, you I mean you're gonna you're not not every decision is right. You're never gonna make every decision not always gonna be right in life. So it's more about learning from it as well if something did go wrong. Ramon has come across his fair share of setbacks and non-starters. But what about great achievements? He outlines one of his most memorable developments which still fills him with a great sense of pride. We purchased an industrial site um, that no one else would have touched. No one else touched it. No one said, no, no, I'm not developing this. It's all it's industrial. There's no chance of it getting rezoned to residential. So we picked it up cheap, got the rezoning through and it's now it can be built for 1500 apartments. So something like that is that that's what I love getting it. That's, that's my achievement because I was at the property and acquisition. So backing yourself um, and believing in yourself, knowing that something that everyone doubted, everyone doubted, not doubted me personally, doubted the site in general, but backing myself to have the belief that I could get this done. Um, so that was a, that was early on in my career as well. So that was one where I said, you know what? I mean, I can, you know, I felt like Superman after that, when that got approved. So I thought nothing can stop us. There's been other learning lessons. I mean, just going on lessons. It's, I mean, another development earlier on where I think it was my first DA that I did for my old man. He, it was a 36 story tower, 400 units and got it approved. I was so proud of it. And then he, Next day, not next day, I mean, it got approved and a few weeks later, maybe a month or two later, he said, we're selling this site. I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you don't sell sites, we build, we deliver. He's like, I've got a good offer, I'm selling it. Um, yeah, and we can move on and go get a few more sites. I'm like, I put a year into this, all my hard work, it was my first DA, my little baby, and he flicked it. And he, after he sold it, like all along, I'm like, please don't sell it, it's mine, please don't sell it, please, like as in. And then he pulled me aside after that and he goes, look, this is a lesson for you in life. You Develop with your develop and go through business with your head, not your heart. Your heart will lead you to family and love. Not to say don't use your heart, but when it comes to business, head first and then your heart. So, and since that day, it's just I've never fallen in love with another development. Not to say we don't love our developments, but it's when you're doing business, it's put your head head on first. Because if you go with your heart, it's gonna you're going to waste time. You're going to get too involved. You're not going to let it run smoothly as a business person. It sounds like your, your father's a loving man, but also a tough businessman as well too, you know. He's donated millions to charities and back home in his country to Lebanon. Over the years, He, yeah, I mean, a few million at least. Just whatever he gives, he's always about, he'll still know, he'll go on site and he'll speak to every laborer, every contractor. Like he'll, he never forgets where he came from. He came from nothing. He came out here when he was 17. Um, had no money, worked in a, it's actually a funny story about it. He worked in a factory, a plastic factory. And only about four or five years ago, he was driving past that same factory and it was for sale. And he ended up buying it. He bought the factory that he first worked in when he came out from Lebanon. So he's like that. He, he's, and he's instilled it in us. Um, he's such a genuine, like he's always there. He's just loving. He's strong businessman though. And he's tough. He was tough when we were, when we we're young, but a, a fair tough, you know, like he wasn't um, doing anything wrong, but he just, he could sell. Like he was very, he pushed us in sport. He pushed us in work and school, wanted us to do well. But yeah, I mean, without him, obviously wouldn't be here, but he's, yeah, a strong, loving, caring businessman and a family man. His father was a massive influence in his personal and business life. But 
Did he have any other mentors throughout the years? Uh, my uncles and my grandfather, they taught us not so much development, just business, just the business mindset. Um, yeah. So I think it would be them. They were involved in property too. So they helped us um, mature and become stronger. Uh, yeah. So I'd say them. And from an outsider point of view, more, not so much, again, business minded people. So your, your Warren Buffett's, your Richard Branson's, they're, they're inspirational people. Um, coming from nothing, starting from nothing. And yeah, just reading and understanding how they operate. Uh, so they would be probably influencers and not yeah, someone so much a mentor, but an influence in, yeah, letting me do, I mean, business, whether it's property, whether it's selling cars, whether it's um, in medical finance, it's business, business has its structures and it's core, it's core, um, core strengths that you need. So yeah, I just, Reading a lot more about people, reading a lot of other businessmen helped me, um, yeah, help me know that anyone can do it. It can be achieved by anyone. I asked Ramon what kind of materials he read to inspire himself. One of my favorite would have to be Shoe Dog, uh, Phil Knight story, the CEO and founder of Nike. Yeah, that's such a, uh, that book, I couldn't put it down. I think I think I finished it in like three days. Like it was just so good. It was you pick it up thinking it's about the Nike story, which it is, but but just from everything, from from Nike to his early journey, traveling around the world, getting knocked back by a certain amount of people. Um, yeah, it's just the whole the whole the whole book is just every page has a different twist and turn. So yeah, it, it was a, that's one of the books I definitely recommend for any not even a business person, just anyone in general who's looking at yeah new like something to read. Definitely Shoe Dog. Though confident now, he wasn't always so sure-minded. What would he say to his younger self if he could go back 10 years? Speak up and don't be afraid to hold back. I was a lot more um, conservative and I, was, I held back a lot when I was younger, maybe because I was I'm not sheltered a bit more, I was just a bit more, wasn't as confident. But ever since I started talking a bit more, uh, you learn a lot more. So a young Ramon would have said, speak up earlier. Um, I would have told by young Ramon, speak up earlier, don't be ashamed, don't be scared to ask a question. I mean, you you may look stupid for a minute if you ask a question now, but you'll look even stupider in 10 years if you didn't ask that question. So just, yeah, be, be open and honest. If something's on your mind, talk it, let it out. We talked about, you know, the property developments that go on for like 10 years and 15 years and so forth. You, you guys are very big long-term planners and stuff like that. But what do you foresee Ellison property to look like in say five years time? In five years, I think we would have created quite a few communities. Like I said, that's what we're trying to achieve now. Um, a development where we can be proud of, a development agency that everyone knows about, um, the go-to property developer in Western Sydney, first and foremost. Uh, but yeah, in five years' time, I'd want us to not necessarily grow to thousands of staff. I think it's always better to keep it lean and agile. Um, so... I'd want it to be a well-known, well-respected brand that people are proud to say that they live in an Ellison apartment. Excellent. And what about for yourself personally? What do you see for yourself in five years' time? Probably married, I'd say. So I'm still single. I've got a girlfriend. Um, so I'd say in five years' time, subject to COVID and traveling and all this, yeah, I'd, I'd say married with maybe two kids. I'd, I'll put it, I'll put it at two for now. So married, two kids. Uh, yeah, and just continuing here, getting better. Just always wanting to learn. I just always want to learn, get better. And Ramon is a motivated character with a strong work ethic. But is his success all down to hard work 
or is it also down to luck? You need a combination of everything. I mean, again, yeah, I'd say majority is hard work. I don't know, let, me, let me do it percentage-wise. I'd say hard work would be 60%, intelligence 20%, 15 skill and five luck. That's 100, yeah? Yeah, that's 100, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... Everyone needs luck. You need luck in everything, uh, whether it's timing, you know, when the property market's going to boom. So that's part of the luck, but nothing can stop hard work. I mean, if you're committed, if you're focused, um, the hard work will then help you become intelligent and skillful. So you can't become skillful and intelligent without working hard. So I think hard work is always the key. Um, and from a young age, like, yes, we were blessed to be born into the family of business, but my parents wouldn't have given me what we have if we didn't work hard. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't the smartest kid in school. I, was, I wasn't I was 90 in my HSCs and flying colours at every test. I wasn't smart at all. So I had to find another way to become uh, more of a businessman. And that was through hard work. It was it was through working hard. It was through learning, being willing, willing, willing to learn, willing to listen, willing to understand. Yes, I came from a successful family, but it wasn't, I know everything, listen to me. It was someone who was, yeah, uh, anyone I'd listen to. I'd, I put myself on the same level as all my friends. There was never a time where I thought I'd better than anyone. So, um, yeah, I'd say hard work and hard work, intelligence, skill, and luck. Thank you so much to Ramon Fayad for taking the time to speak with me on Property Investory. Do you find yourself stressed out not knowing how or where to find the best property deals or what the best strategy is to build a wealth generating portfolio? Well, Dragon Dominski can help you while you save time and money. With about two decades of experience as an investor and expert buyers agent, he finds positively geared properties with development potentials and secures and negotiates off-market deals for his clients. Now, he's offering you a no-obligation 45-minute strategy call to get you started. Just simply text the code BAA with your name and email address to 0405-105-074 to get your no-obligation free 45-minute strategy call.